We just wrapped up with Levi Ferguson, who is a motivational speaker. And I'll tell you what, this was a wild story uh, about his life. He, he kind of takes us through the journey of what he went through when he was young, some of the choices that he made and some of the, the negative things that he was going through, uh, through his teenage years. And it's crazy. It's crazy to hear all of this. And then, especially when you hear him now and you hear him talk now, this energetic, positive guy that he is now, this motivation, motivational speaker, it's wild. It's wild. And I think it's really clear why he's doing what he's doing. And I think it's pretty clear on why he's having the impact that he is because, you know, he's gone through a lot and he's taken that negative stuff and he flipped it into a positive thing. And he's helping a lot of people, especially a lot of young people. So definitely check this out. Make sure you guys enjoy or check out this episode because I think you'll really enjoy it. And without further ado, here is Levi Ferguson. See you. Now it is time. Now it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Character Combine. Character Combine. Yeah, you're ready. Yeah, you're ready. When he goes beyond the scoreboard, the scoreboard. Coaches, coaches, I want you to have the type of voice, type of voice that your athletes will hear decades later and still recognize the leadership that you hold in their life. In their life. In their life. Get this thing, get this thing started. Welcome to the Character Combine Podcast. I'm Josh Takimoto. Uh, Deb McCollum is not here with us today, but that's all right because we have uh, more than enough energy and motivation coming your way. Today's guest is motivational speaker, Levi Ferguson. What's going on, man? Yo, yo, yo. It's Levi, the passion guy. What's up, man? I'm doing all right. How you doing? I'm good. I was wondering if you're going to do that. It's kind of like your uh, signature tagline, isn't it? That's it, man. That's the yeah, signature. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've been on Clubhouse, but on Clubhouse is funny because the way I introduced myself and somebody else gave me this name, but I'm like, yo, 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 it's Levi, the passion guy, AKA the cat in the hat. Cause my picture has a hat. And <laughs> for some reason, somebody just started calling me that one day. So <laughs> there, there you go. I, I don't want to go too. we usually get sidetracked on the show, so I don't want to get too far out down the, you know, too far down the road, but so Clubhouse, that's still kind of in a stage where you have to get invited, right? That yeah, you have to get an invite. So uh, okay, good for you. Yeah. Made it in. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice work. <laughs> you know what? Uh, Eden invited me. Eden Gold invited me on the clubhouse as well. So <laughs> okay, very cool. Yeah. yeah, she's been part of the show. I think maybe, man, maybe six or seven episodes ago. But yeah, she's yeah. awesome. She's doing a lot of great things. So yeah, yeah I've does. always wondered. I looked into it a little bit, and I'm like, this is this is interesting. I'm I don't know too much about it, but it's basically just talking, right? Like everybody's kind of talking in a group, and that's that's kind of what, in a nutshell, it's what it is, right? Yes, basically you have, um, I mean, it's like a phone call basically, but you have these different groups or different rooms that you, you can go into that are uh, set up based off of topics. So you can go into any room that is of interest to you based off of the topic. And sometimes you might have only a few people in there. Sometimes you can have, you know, a couple thousand people in there. Um, and you, you have the ability to chat with just, you know, a few individuals or potentially you could chat with like big name people, high profile people who are in these bigger rooms. Um, and you got to raise your hand to like come up and speak, but potentially you can speak to those people, ask them questions. So it's a really cool uh, app, a really cool format for social media that has come up and it's, it's a great way to connect with people. That's awesome. I'll have to look more into that. This is not, we're not being sponsored by clubhouse, but if you yeah. guys want to, you're more than welcome to sponsor. <laughs> I love it, but <laughs> bring it. Anyways, we're, we're going to move along with everything. So we started off with warm-up questions. So we got three warm-up questions. We always like to say this is the hard-hitting stuff. Let's go. That, uh, we'll, see, we'll see how you do with these. But first one is, if you could make one food healthy, 
for example, I always like to say, if you could, if you were the doctor and the doctor's like, Hey, you know what? Your, your health is a little bit, eh, uh, you could probably use more broccoli, right. Or you can use more fruit in your life, but if you right. can replace that with, Oh, you could actually use more chocolate chip cookies in your life. Mm, come on. What would, what would that one food be for you? Man, for me, it would have to be Jamaican jerk chicken. Cause I love me some Jamaican Ooh. jerk chicken. Now that's, that's my favorite dish in the whole world. And I would just have to throw some chocolate cake for the dessert. That's what I would do. <laughs> man, that's, that's a great choice. I wasn't expecting the jerk chicken. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Ah, it's so hard to find in Cali, but I love it. Can you imagine though, if it's like the doctor has said, Hey, your, your, your jerk chicken was a little bit low this month. Maybe, maybe increase that a little bit. You'd be a lot healthier. Jump, That'd be fantastic. That on up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let's go, let's go doc. Bring it. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you located in Sacramento? Yeah. I live in Elk Grove currently. So, yep. Okay. Is there a, is there a specific spot that you like to go to for jerk chicken? Local? There's only one spot uh, oh. and it's called the dub plate kitchen. So it's fairly new and you know, it's uh, it's kind of near the Arden mall. Okay. Uh, but to, to me, that's the only authentic Jamaican jerk chicken that you can find in Sacramento. So that's my spot. <laughs> there you go. So if you're looking for Levi, you, you'll probably see him there. <laughs> that's right. You're going to find me at the jerk spot for real. Hit me up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love it, man. All right. Question number two. Uh, this is a simple one. Who's your favorite superhero and why? You, my favorite superhero for real is, is Thor. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's because he's a lot like me. Like he, I'm, I mean, I used to be big, you know, swole and, and strong and I'm not quite that anymore, but uh, <laughs> he, he's big and swole and strong. And I love his personality. He's a funny guy, uh, but he always wants to do the right thing and, you know, impact lives and save people's lives. So uh, I love that about him. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, be honest. Do you have one of the Thor hammers somewhere on your house? I don't. My, oh. my son does. My son okay. has one. <laughs> Okay. I never know. Sometimes people, you know, really get into it and swinging the Thor hammer around or like yeah. they have like the Hulk fist and just start, you know, bashing stuff in their home. I don't know. No judgment here. I need here. some of that. You should, man. <laughs> yeah. You should. I need to <laughs> jump the, on the, that. The hammer in one hand and some jerk chicken in the other. You'd be There we go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. So, all right, here's the last one. And I'm, I'm interested. I'm really interested in hearing your answer to this one because I know you know, we were, we were chatting before I actually, the first time I saw you speak was at Kevin Bracey, our, our good friend, Kevin Bracey's uh, event at the Crest Theater, uh, what, two, two or three years ago. Yeah. About and two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You referenced, I know you, you referenced uh, a couple of different artists and you referenced some music in your talk. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, but this is actually Deb, my co-host Deb's signature question, and she calls it her life song. So if you could pick only one song that would define maybe the entirety of your life, or maybe it's a song specific to right now and how you're feeling and how life's going for you. What would that one song be? You know what? That's a great, great question. And I could probably sit down and think about that for a couple hours to try to figure that out. Um, yeah. If I had to pick one right now in this moment, I would say Andy Minio, You Can't Stop Me. That's a great song. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's, dope song. Yeah. 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 For sure. That's, and it's, it's pretty self-explanatory too, right? Like if, if you guys haven't heard that song, I mean, it's in the title and, yeah. and if you listen to that song, the energy of that song too is it matches for sure. So that's a great choice, man. That's a great Thank choice. You, man. Yeah. You can't stop me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hey Love man, it. well you survive, you survive the warm up questions and you made that last one pretty, seem pretty easy. Cause some people are like, one yeah, song I mean, like, you know, I could have spent a long time on that. So, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, you survive. That's all you have to do, man. Survive the war questions. And now we get to the 
now we get to the fun stuff, the stuff that's all about you. This stuff's, this stuff's easy. So um, we like to start off with all of our guests, the same question. What is your athletic background? And then how did you get to the place you're at today? And, and I looked a little bit at your website and it seems like you have a really interesting story that I think a lot of coaches and athletes who are listening to this would be you know, fascinated by. So give us a little bit of the background of Levi Ferguson. Yeah. So as far as my athletic background, I started playing sports when I was pretty young. Uh, you know, I'm from Atlanta originally. So started off with baseball, uh, basketball, football, absolutely loved basketball and was just a fanatic about Michael Jordan and watched everything that was out back then. And back then, you know, when I was a kid, that was in the nineties, that was his day. That was his prime time. Uh, so loved it was really, really not that great at basketball, even though I spent a lot of time playing basketball, practicing basketball. Um, but I loved basketball and baseball happened to be the thing that I was like really, really good at. And it was my least favorite sport. Uh, but, you know, apparently, you know, people were telling me I was really, really good at it. And football, I loved as well and played a lot of football when I was younger. So, you know, for me, what's interesting is that 11, at 11 years old, I broke my jaw playing baseball. I was playing second base. This guy hit a ground ball, uh, was rolling normal, but all of a sudden just popped up a weird hop. I, I stuck mm. my glove up to catch it, and it went right over the top of my glove and smashed me in, in my mouth and broke my jaw. Um, ended up, you know, having to go to the hospital and get surgery to, like, rewire my bottom teeth back in. Had to eat out of a syringe for, like, three weeks and was out of school for three weeks. Uh, and so that pretty much pushed me away from sports. And I got into other things after that, which we can talk about, you know, in a few minutes. Um, but after that, you know, once I was, when I was 18, I got into weightlifting real heavy, started doing a lot of that, uh, did some powerlifting, not competitions, but was into powerlifting and was actually getting ready to compete in a bodybuilding show. And I tore my bicep. Uh, so this was only a couple years ago. And so when I tore my bicep, had to have surgery for that, ended up breaking my ankle within a year. And so that kind of pushed me out of the, the bodybuilding arena, as well as the weightlifting arena. And then not long after that COVID hit. So hmm. uh, it's been kind of a journey that's kept me out of the gym for a while. I love fitness. I love to work out. And uh, that is something that's really important to me. So I will definitely be getting back into that. But that's been kind of my athletic journey, my sports journey to this point in life. Okay. So a lot of, man, there's a lot of, uh, setbacks. It seems like, you know what I mean? Whether, whether <laughs> yeah. it was like a physical thing, getting hit in the face with the, with the baseball, which I played baseball my whole life, not a fun feeling. Yeah, and then <laughs> obviously, you know, tearing a bicep while you're trying to get into this bodybuilding, you know, powerlifting thing. Um, it just like, and then he's like, you said COVID too. And I think yeah. there's probably a lot of, a lot of athletes, even coaches that are dealing with the same thing where it's like, it just seems like one thing after another, you can never quite get ahead. Right. Or you can never, you know, there's always something pushing back against you. And so, like I said before, based on your website, um, it, it seems like you, there's, there's some stuff besides sports that you were really dealing with, mm -hmm. uh, throughout your life. So do you want to take us into that a little bit? Man, how long do I got? You said yeah. three hours. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Again, like I said, you know, I don't know if you can tell by the twang, but like I said before, I'm from Atlanta. I'm not originally from California. Uh, you could probably hear that Southern twang in my voice. Uh, but yeah, I was born in Atlanta. When I was born, there were actually three possibilities as to who my father was. 
All three of them struggle with drug addiction. Two of them went to prison. One of them is dead. And personally, I never really knew any of them. I did meet a couple of them uh, throughout my life, but never spent any significant amount of time uh, with them or getting to know them. And at the same time, when I was born, my mother, she struggled with her own crack cocaine addiction. So after I was born, she was around for about three months or so. And then she abandoned me in pursuit of her addiction on the streets. And I was fortunate that my grandparents, they took me in and allowed me to live in their home and tried their best to raise me right as their own child. Uh, but nonetheless, my mom was kind of in and out of my life as a child. And I remember at seven, I woke up one Saturday morning. I could have swore I heard her voice and I was excited. So like I jumped out of bed and I ran into the living room and my grandmother was sitting down in a leather recliner and I said, where's mom? And she said, she's not here. And I said, yes, she is. I heard her voice. And she said, no, she just called on the phone. She's in jail. Mm. And I remember at seven that that just it hurt me deeply. Like I felt that in my heart and I busted out crying. And, you know, that was kind of a repeating cycle throughout my childhood. I remember to go going to visit my mother in jail many times. And I would sit like on one side of a glass window and she would be on the other side of that glass window. And the only way for me to speak to her was through something that looked like a payphone. And I know we don't really have those these days, but that's what it looked like. And so I'd have to speak to her on the other side of that glass. And she would always have either a green or an orange jumpsuit on. And so that was, you know, like I said, a repeating process, repeating cycle throughout my childhood until I was 11 and 12 years old. So at 11, as I shared earlier, I was totally into sports up until that point. I broke my jaw. That pushed me out of sports. And at that point, I began to pursue uh, walking my father's footsteps, whoever he was, walking my mother's footsteps. And at 11, I started smoking weed, drinking alcohol, and having sex. So to me, that became the replacement for sports. And then at 12... My mother and I, uh, we reconnected. So my mom got married and I had a stepdad, but I didn't live with them. I still live with my grandparents. So one weekend I went to go visit my mom and my stepdad. And I remember I sat down on the couch with my mom and she reached out, uh, she reached under the coffee table and she pulled out this metal tin and she opened up this metal tin and she pulled some stuff out of it. And right in front of me, she rolled a joint. And she looked at me and she said, do, do you want to smoke this? I thought she was trying to trick me. I was like, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was trying to get me in trouble. I was like, I'm good. Um, but she ended up getting up off the couch. She, she walked out towards the front porch. She said, come with me. And she walked out onto the front porch and sat down in a chair. I sat down next to her and she took that joint and she lit it up and she started puffing on it. And she pointed it in my direction and she said, are you sure? And so I took that joint from her and I started smoking it. And from that day forward, I began to do drugs with my mom. And when I say drugs, I do mean drugs. I mean drugs, every drug with the exception of perhaps LSD and heroin. Other than that, we pretty much did everything together. And also from that day forward, I began to receive marijuana as an allowance from my mother 
and my stepfather every week. So every week they would give me weed instead of like money. Um, and I didn't know this at the time, but a year later, I found out that my, da- my stepdad was, you know, heavily involved in selling drugs. He was a dope dealer. And the way that I found that out was that the police came and kicked in their door over there and they arrested them and they charged him with trafficking methamphetamine. And, you know, later on, he ended up going to prison for five years for that. So you can imagine that my involvement in that type of lifestyle just continued to grow heavier every year, every month, every day. Uh, And my mother was like my biggest cheerleader, like she was my greatest or biggest supporter, my loudest cheerleader throughout that whole process. She was right there beside me cheering me on. And I dropped out of school in eighth grade. And then I began to use cocaine when I was 13, meth when I was 14. When I was 14, I joined a gang, started carrying guns, selling drugs and robbing people. And my mom was right there beside me through all of that. So you know, at at that age, I loved to get high. And I didn't know then, but I know now that the reason I love to get high was because of all the emotional chaos that I was dealing with, all of the distress that I was under that was related to my mom being in and out of my life from the time I was an infant. Uh, So I was trying to escape that. Now I know that I didn't then, but then I love to get high because of that. And so at 16, I love to get high so much that I started drinking alcohol. I was already drinking, but I started drinking alcohol and popping pills with it. Now, I don't know who's listening if you know what that does, but whenever you pop pills and drink alcohol together, it intensifies the effect of each substance. So in other words, you get real high. And I love that. So at 16, some of my friends and I, we were one night we were drinking alcohol, we were taking pills, and we decided to go rob somebody. So long story short, we were robbing somebody in the hood. Our entire plan got messed up. I'm drunk and high out of my mind. I'm sitting in the backseat of the car. I got a loaded gun in my hand and a beer bottle between my legs. And I fell asleep. And when I fell asleep, this beer bottle between my legs, it spilled over and the bottle itself fell into the floor and that woke me up. So when that woke me up, I leaned over to pick up this beer bottle. And as I did, boom, the gun goes off and shoots me in the leg. And I'm so high and so drunk that I literally could not feel that gunshot. I could not, I could not feel a gunshot that I had just inflicted upon myself. That's how high and how drunk I was. So a couple minutes later, I was like, I I think I shot myself. (laughs) And my friends were like, well, we got to take you to the hospital. I was like, no, 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 no. Let's just, let's just smoke a blunt and go home and go to sleep. Let's just smoke some weed and go home and go to sleep. But they did take me to the hospital. Good thing. Um, And really, you know, when I got to the hospital, they couldn't do much for me because I was already so intoxicated. They couldn't give me any medication. All they could do was stop the bleeding and patch up the wound. That's it. And fortunately for me, you know, given the angle that I was seated at in the backseat of a car, the way that that bullet went in and out of my leg, it didn't hit the artery in my leg. It didn't hit the knee joint in my leg. So it really was like a miracle the way it happened. Uh, And, you know, today I should be dead or perhaps, you know, not being able to walk properly because of injury to my knee. But 
it just went in and out, even at the angle that I was at. Uh, but what happened with that event was that I ended up getting arrested for that event. They, they eventually charged me with underage possession of a firearm. And so at 16, I went to a youth detention center in Gwinnett County, Georgia, and I thought I was going to be sent to boot camp for 90 days. But instead of sending me to boot camp for 90 days, it was my first offense. They said, you know what, we're going to let you out on probation and you're going to be on probation for as long as your probation officer feels necessary. And they said, and we're going to make you go back to school and you got to get a job. <laughs> All things that I didn't want to do, but um, they forced me to do those things. So I ended up going back to school. I did get a job. And while I was in school, I met this girl and, you know, I had a thing for her yeah. <laughs> and, and crazy enough, she had a thing for me. So like we started dating and it was crazy because she was like this super church girl, you know, like her whole family was always going to church and she would talk to me about God. And, and she told me that Jesus died for you and God loves you and Jesus rose from the dead. And if you commit your life to God, then he can change your life. And I'd heard all that before. And so I didn't really care what she was talking about. So I kept doing the same things that I was doing. My probation officer thought I was good. I really wasn't. I was still doing all the same stuff that I was doing before. The only thing that changed is that I would only smoke weed once a month in case they gave me a drug test at my probation meeting. Uh, you know, I wanted to pass that drug test. So yeah. I just made sure it was only once a month. But other than that, everything else was still popping just like before. Uh, but nonetheless, my PO, my probation officer thought I was good. So within six months, she let me off probation. And as soon as she did, I quit school again. And I just hit the streets even harder, got even more involved in the things that I was doing. Um, you know, more heavily involved in selling drugs, more heavily involved in the drug use, more heavily involved in the gangs and, and the violence that I was involved with. All of it just intensified. And then when I was 17, I ended up getting arrested two more times. The first time I went to the gas station, I saw this guy who had been talking trash about me. And I said, what's up? I tried to fight him. You know how it is. Somebody talks trash about you. You, you just can't deal with that. So you, you have to do something about it, especially if you're 16. So <laughs> that's what I tried to do. I tried to do something about it. Uh, he didn't want to fight me. Long story short, I ended up kicking his truck, the, the driver's side of his truck, while he was inside, put this big dent in the side of his truck. And he filed a police report against me. So three weeks later, they came and picked me up. They charged me with criminal destruction of property in the second degree, which is a felony. So they took me to jail. I'm sitting in the holding cell. I ended up getting bonded out. But while I was in that holding cell, you know, I, I had some time to think. And I was like, why? Why am I living this way? Why am I doing this? I don't want to live this way. I want to change. So I got out of jail and I tried to change and it just didn't work. No matter what I did, I just couldn't break those habits. I could not break my addictions. I could not get away from the things that I was doing. I couldn't get away from the people that I was around. So I kept doing the same stuff. And then uh, that same year, I ended up getting arrested again. This time, a friend of mine and I, we went to go pick up some drugs, some methamphetamine. And on the way back, this cop passed us and he knows me. He knows my car. I got a very uh, familiar car. You recognize it easily. It was a 1984 box top Chevy Caprice Classic Brown. Looked brand new. I bought it with drug money when I was 16. So this car was very recognizable. 
And as soon as he saw that car, he knew it was my car and he knew that I didn't have a regular driver's license. So immediately he saw this car, he hit the blue lights, turned the blue lights on. He does a U-turn, he turns around. And uh, my friend that's with me, at that time I was 17 and he was about 23, 24 years old. He looks at me and he says, I got a warrant out for my arrest. You got to stop and let me out. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So I turned right into this neighborhood and I slowed the car down. I, I thought I stopped the car, but I didn't because as soon as he opened the door, he just rolled out of the car. <sighs> so I, I look in my rear view mirror as I'm pulling off and I see him getting up off the ground and he takes off running. And the cop is pointing the gun at him. So, you know, the cop pursues him. Me, I pull further into the neighborhood. I park the car in a cul-de-sac. I jump out, ran through the woods. I tossed the drugs that I had on me and I got away. <laughs> and he got away too. That's the crazy thing. We both got away. But the car was in my grandfather's name. So the next day I ended up turning myself in. So my grandfather doesn't get in trouble. They came to my house. They pick me up. They, they arrest me. They, they take me to the same jail that I was at before. I'm sitting in a holding cell. I'm sitting on this metal bench like you would see ordinarily at a baseball field or a football field. And I remember I laid down on that bench and I prayed. Bench was cold. I prayed and I said, God, I don't want to live this way anymore. And I started thinking about what this girl had said to me, that Jesus died for your sins, that he rose from the grave. And if you, if you commit your life to, to God, he can change your life. And I prayed and I said, God, I don't want to live this way anymore. I said, God, I can't change. I know I can't change. I said, you know, I can't change too. I've tried. I said, take my life and do what you want with it. Make me who you want me to be. And so I'd heard all those things before. I, I believed in God. I believed that Jesus had died for my sins. I believed that he had risen from the dead, but I had never done anything with that personally. And so in that moment, for the first time in my life, I did something different. I had faith. I committed my life to God. I surrendered my life to God. And so even though I was sitting in a jail cell behind bars, I was more free in that moment than I'd ever been before in my life. And so that shifted the direction of my life. I got out of jail. I was bonded out within 30 something hours. And within three months, I had completely walked away from that lifestyle. I had stopped the drugs. I had stopped the involvement with the gangs. I had stopped selling drugs. I had completely walked away from everything. And I messed up a few times within those few months, but it was a miraculous change in my life. I had completely broke those habits. And I knew something. I knew that I had a purpose in my life. I knew that there was a reason that I had been through everything that I had been through. I knew that I could help people because of what I had been through. And so this really shifted my perspective on life. And that year at 17, I ended up give, getting my GED. I never finished high school, but I got my GED. And I don't know what they call your G, GED in Sacramento, but I know what they call it in Atlanta. They call it a good enough diploma. So I got my good enough diploma at 17. And then I went to college at 18. I actually made it to college before my graduating class. Uh, went to Bible college. I felt that, you know, God had a purpose for my life that I was supposed to be a pastor. So I went to Bible college. And something really, really incredible happened 
when I was in Bible college at 18 years old, I had the opportunity to share my story in front of the entire student body. We had chapel every week. And originally somebody else was actually supposed to take this opportunity, but they backed out at the last minute. And instead I got the opportunity. Now, you know, it was a small college because it's a Bible college. And not only is it a Bible college, it's a Baptist Bible college. And not only is it a Baptist Bible college, but it's a Baptist Bible college in the North Georgia mountains out in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, it's a small student body. But when I shared my story in front of the student body, it was still 400 people. So that's that's a lot of people to speak in front of for, you know, one of your first times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was nervous, but I stood up and I, I shared my story kind of like I'm sharing it now. And in that moment, I discovered something. I found that my purpose was connected to using the power of words to change lives. I knew that in that moment. And so because of that, because of what I had been through, because of how God had changed my life, and because of that discovery that I could use words to help people, uh, that led me to become a youth mentor, eventually a youth pastor. And now today I'm a speaker and I speak to lots of different audiences, but uh, mainly I speak to high school students who come from rough backgrounds like myself. And so that's what led me to, to, the, to that point. Um, and so ever since that day, that's what I've been doing. I have been using the life-giving power of words to help people realize their potential discover their purpose and change the world. And so today, as we all know, because I just said it, you know, I'm a speaker now, uh, but I do have a full-time job. So my full-time job is actually with a nonprofit organization that is an anti-tobacco program. It was created by the California Department of Public Health. And the reason that this program exists is to put a stop to underage tobacco sales. So in my full-time job, what I do is I travel all over Northern California. And before COVID started, I was giving presentations in high schools and I was helping 15 to 20 year olds get into our program and essentially become like undercover agents. So like, you know, James Bond or Jason Bourne uh, of the undercover tobacco world. So uh, that's what I did. I, I gave presentations or I do, I give presentations and help them get into the program. So that's where I'm at today. That's my journey and that's where I am today. I do have two amazing kids. I have an 11 year old daughter. Her name is Azaria and an incredible son who is seven. His name is Shiloh and they are the most important thing in my life. These kids are my world because I never had a father in my life. I just love being a dad to them and every day trying to be the best dad that I can be. So that's, that's Levi the passion guy, AKA the cat in the hat on Clubhouse. That's me. There we go. We can just wrap it up right there, man. That was, uh, <laughs> that was good, man. Uh, man, I have a lot of questions, you know, based on everything you just said, uh, which as I'm sure a lot of people do that have, that hear your story and that hear you speak. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. I, I always find it interesting because, you know, a lot of times when we have a guest on this podcast or I have conversation with someone and they have a story that's similar to yours, it's, it's always interesting because we, obviously we hear from the people that, were, were willing and able to turn it around, right? Like they, they found some hope and they said, you know what, I, I kind of need to leave that old life behind and I need to take this into a positive direction. But we also know that there's a lot of people that we don't hear about that never make that choice or, or never made that choice. Um, 
So it's just interesting. And it's cool. Like I, I imagine that every time you get the opportunity to speak or every time you talk to your kids or every time you get a chance to mentor a young person, like the story you just told, that has to be like the, the driving force behind all of that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy too. Cause I mean that, that easily one wrong move here or there, you, your life could have gone a completely different direction. So, um, man, it's just, it's so cool that you're taking that and, and you know, like I said, taking it in a positive direction and making a positive impact because potentially you're going to help other people. Like it's almost like you went through that. And if you can help someone else, you can prevent them from having to go through that same thing. So, um, like, what is it like when you sit down with a kid that you're mentoring or, you know, I'm sure a lot of times when you speak afterwards, you probably have a ton of kids or people come up to you and say, man, that story sounds so similar to mine. Like, how do I, like, what is that feeling like when you see, almost like you see yourself in a kid that approaches you? Like, what is that feeling like? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of an overwhelming feeling because, yeah. I mean, you know that there's so many people out there who have gone through things like you've gone through, who are currently trapped in situations that you once were trapped in and having the knowledge that, most of those people don't make it out. Most of those people don't get through that. Most of those people continue to live that way in some fashion for the rest of their lives, however long or short that may be. So it's really quite an overwhelming feeling, but it's also a hopeful feeling. Yeah. And the reason, yeah. You know, the reason that it's hopeful is because in that moment, this person has identified with you. And now, you know, that you have a chance to be a beacon of light and a beacon of hope for them that potentially because of the words that you have just spoken, just by sharing your story and connecting with this kid that you potentially could change their lives or even save their life. And that because they heard a story like yours and they know that there's hope that it's possible that somebody can make it through this, you know, it it could shift the direction of their lives for the rest of their life. And so there's this huge amount of hope uh, that, that comes along with that overwhelm. Uh, so that's how it feels to me. Yeah. And there's this, there's this massive responsibility too, you know, and I think you've been put in that spot because you can, you can handle it and you have the ability to use your story. But I think, you know, because we talked to so many coaches, athletic coaches, I think for any coach and you're kind of a coach yourself, you know, when you're, yeah. when you're doing your speaking thing, there is this massive responsibility that I think falls in their shoulders and your guys' shoulders, because you have interactions with young people every single day. And, of course there's rough days and you maybe not be, you may not be the best version of yourself one day. And then the next day you might feel like you're the most influential person in the world. (laughs) Right. right? But you know, regardless, when you take on that role of a coach or a speaker or a leader, you do have to understand it's like, man, I have a lot of responsibility and you, if you don't take it seriously, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. You know what I mean? So it's like, if, if your whole goal was to just get famous and make a ton of money, that's great. That's great for you, but it's not really going to have that much of an impact. Right. Like yeah. there's gotta be that, that bigger purpose like that, that what's like, what's your why, right? Yeah. What is the why behind everything you do? And, and like, I mean, you painted a, a beautiful picture of what your why is, man. It's like all of that stuff that you went through, like it would, it would almost be reckless if you didn't take that in a positive way. And so it's awesome to see that you're doing that. Um, and I think it's interesting too, because this is, this is a sports podcast. You know, you mentioned that you played sports for a little while and then you got out of sports and it kind of sounded like while you were in sports, you know, you were maybe staying out of the trouble that you got into post sports. How much of an impact do you think staying in sports would have had on you if you were around some great coaches and and great teammates and stuff like that? Yeah. You know what? It really was that exit from the sports world that kind of 
put me in that place where I began to pursue another path. So I can imagine that uh, if I had stayed in sports, that that would have been a driving force in my life, that that would have been the direction that I would have gone because, you know, back then I was like super committed to it. So, you know, I remember when I was, I was in football uh, I had this coach. He was like, you know, I was the smallest kid on the team. I was the shortest kid on the team, but I was the fastest kid on the team as well. And I remember one time that uh, this coach, he was speaking to the whole team and he was like, I wish all of you guys had the same heart that Levi has. So, you know, I've had this passion since I was a kid and yeah. I was super passionate about sports and you know, who knows where I would have went with that. Uh, obviously, you know, God had other plans for me, but I feel like, you know, if I had, not walked out of that world, then that would have been a major, major uh, focus in my life. And it very possibly could have kept me from going down the path that I, I went down. And I know there are kids out there who probably that's their saving grace in a lot of ways is being involved with sports and being surrounded by this team and, and these great coaches who push them to be better versions of themselves and focusing on these sports. It really keeps them uh, away from all the negativity that they might have at home or in their communities or, you know, with their, with their relatives or whoever that's around them on a constant basis. So I think that's a, a huge deal and sports can do that for a person. And it probably would have for me as well, had I not ventured off of that path. Yeah, for sure. We say it all the time. I think it, sometimes it goes understated, but the, the impact of sports and being around positive role models plays a huge role. And I think it yeah. can keep kids out of a lot of trouble or keep them on the, the straight and narrow and keep them, like you said, focused on something. Cause like you said, you were a passionate guy to begin with. If your coach yeah. is saying that, that about you. And then uh, unfortunately there's a, a point where your passion or your, you know, like all that energy went in a negative direction, but like you're still a passionate dude. And yeah. so it's, we always say that coaches are almost like many, many counselors. You know, their, yeah. their job is to, to teach a sport, but a lot of the disciplines that they learn in the, on the sports field or on the court, translates down the road to life. And so that being said, like if you, if there's a coach out there that's listening to this and maybe they have a, a student athlete or maybe a teacher, maybe it's a teacher or a coach that has an athlete or a student that is maybe showing some of the signs that you were showing where you're, you know, maybe starting to get in some trouble. Maybe you're making some, some bad choices that are affecting your life in a negative way. What would your advice be for a coach or a teacher that is dealing with students in that place, similar to you? Yeah, I would say, uh, first of all, recognize that what this kid is involved in, these signs that you are seeing are the result of things that he or she has been through. So, so really, it's an outpouring of what they've experienced at home or somewhere else that has had a major negative impact on them. They probably have been through some kind of trauma and it's impacting them. They're just trying to find ways to deal with it. And so I'm Levi, the passion guy. And I'll tell you that kids like that who have been through things like that. And even people who are in prisons are some of the most passionate people in the world. But passion is like a fire. And living in California, you know, we all know what uncontrolled fires do. They they destroy they burn things down. They burn everything in their path, whether it's buildings or cars or homes or businesses, whatever it is, they, they burn them down. And so fire, uncontrolled fire is destructive and a passion that is uncontrolled is like a fire. But it's funny because fire can be used if it's controlled. 
for some really, really good things. Like you can use fire to create artwork. You can use fire to create glass. You can use fire to mold and shape uh, beams that hold up buildings, mold and shape the metal that we create cars with. And so the issue is, is that these kids, oftentimes they do not have a father figure in their life. They do not have a solid role model in their life. They don't have good parental figures in their lives that can come along and help them learn how to control that, fashion, uh, that passion. Now, if they can learn how to control that passion and focus it just like a fire, they can do incredibly good things with it. With fire, you can cook food and provide life. With controlled passion, you can do good things and provide life to people and change the world for the better. And so I would say to you, I love what, uh, what Josh Ship says. He says something along, the, he's a youth speaker, by the way. He says something along the lines of uh, every kid is one caring adult away from success. Every kid is one caring adult away from success. And so a lot of times you can be that figure in their lives, that role model that they need that can just come along and walk beside them in the difficult times and show them how to control that passion, that fire that's burning on the inside of them so that it doesn't have to destroy things. It doesn't have to be destructive, but it can, use, it can be used to better the world and to help people. You might just be that missing piece, that one person that can do that for that kid. So that would be my advice. Be the one. That's good. It's another, another mic drop moment right there. <laughs> it's like Levi's trying to end this show early. You keep saying <laughs> these things where it's like, well, I don't know what else to say after that. That's no, that's amazing, man. Well, that's, that's the whole thing we talk about where, you know, when, I, when I, an athlete knows that their coach cares, that's when, that's when these, these doors of opportunity open up because that's when they're going to be most receptive to the things you're, you're trying to teach them. But if, if they're just like, this coach doesn't care about me, this coach doesn't love me, it's going to be more difficult to try to reach that, that athlete. So, man, I think that's a, such a great point. And, you know, it's gotta be an interesting thing too, for you, when you're talking to someone, like there's nothing anybody can say to you that you haven't gone through, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like they yeah. can try to put one past you, but it's never going to work because right. like, Oh, Oh, you went through that. Oh, that's cool. Cause I actually <laughs> did the same thing. You know what I'm saying? We one up you back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, that's, that's so, so huge. So important. Um, what's it like when you go back? I don't know if you have much interaction with people from, from back in the day, but I mean, that's, it's probably gotta be such a weird thing for people from your past when they see you now, because they're like this, I mean, it's probably almost unrecognizable, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, what is that? What is that like when you have interactions with people from the past? Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy because there have been times where, you know, I'd randomly run into a person in the store from the past and I would tell them what's going on in my life. Tell them things like, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor. And they're like, what you <laughs> like, you know, one time I went into, uh, I went into a, a wing place. I was picking up some hot wings and I saw this, this older man that knew me uh, from back in the day. And he knew I was a troublemaker, knew all about the stuff I was involved with. And, you know, he asked me how I was doing and what was going on. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a youth pastor now. And he looked at me and he was like, you? He was like, no way. So yeah, it's, it's really, it, it can be crazy. You know, sometimes I'll, there've been times where I randomly see somebody and, and they will be like, Hey, you know where I can get some weed. And I'm like, no, I don't do that anymore. I'm good on that. Um, so yeah. they're shocked, you know, they're shocked. If they haven't heard the story, they're shocked to hear it. And they're, they're just like, you know, it just really, puts them on their butts that, that this has happened and that I've changed my life in, in such 
uh, powerful ways. So it shocks them. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, let me ask you this. Cause I'm, you know, I, I'm not a speaker, you know, like I said, we're, uh, Kevin's a good friend of mine and, um, I know he's a friend of yours as well. And so when I met, when I first met Kevin, you know, I was not trying to become a speaker. I just, I'm like, I just need to be connected to this dude somehow. Yeah. And yeah. so we've had the chance to work on some stuff together, but you know, working with the character combine over the years, a couple of opportunities for me to speak came up. I don't okay. do what you guys do. Um, yeah. I, I, I try to limit it to like a 15 minute team talk, super simple, you know, maybe 25, 30 guys. But, um, I'll tell you what, one time as I was, you know, doing some more of those speaking things, I got the opportunity to speak to my old high school and they do like a, an awards breakfast. It's probably maybe like 200, 150, 200, uh, parents and, and students it was one of the coolest experiences for me. Again, as not someone who's a speaker, but it's like, yeah, I had 10 minutes up there. It was one of the coolest things. It's like, I used to sit in these, the same cafeteria and I used to yeah. walk these same halls. So for you, once you started pursuing this, this speaking career and the speaking path, was there a moment where you felt like, cause I'm sure you've done a lot of speaking engagements, but was there one that just felt extra special to you? Let's see one that felt extra special to me. Um, Cause some of them, I feel like it's like, Hey, it's a cool, it's a cool opportunity, but then some are like, this one just feels different because of, you know, just varying circumstances. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, you know, I've, I've preached in other countries. Uh, oh, that's cool. And, and, yeah. In Uganda, I've preached in Haiti and those were pretty significant. Uh, but I would probably say the one with Kevin at the Crest theater. That was cool. Uh, yeah. That one was pretty significant. I mean, that for me was, was a moment that, I feel that God used to confirm to me that, you know what, you can use the gift that I've given you of words for more than just preaching in churches. You can do this in other areas. So it, that was the moment that that really opened my eyes to that. So that was a very special moment for me. Um, and I realized that day, you know what, you, you can do things other than preaching in churches. You can go into schools and you can speak to students. And so that just opened my eyes to a whole new world. So I felt that that was a pretty profound moment. And I, I'm always going to be very, very grateful to coach greatness, Kevin Bracey for that. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that's also a, a moment that he and I were able to connect more and uh, start getting to know each other better and spend more time together. So that was a very important moment for me, I would say. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I was as someone who was in the audience that night, Couple of things, and I've said this before because we had we had Josiah Greer on uh, quite a while ago. Yeah, I love and that guy. <laughs> man, I'll tell you what. So two things that really stuck out to me because I went to that show with my brother. First of all, I know uh, what uh, towards the right of the stage there was a group of you guys as speakers. Yep, it's a wild bunch. Like that that was like the loudest cheering section. You guys were going <laughs> nuts for every speaker. It was awesome to watch. But I'm like, who are those people? And then you realize, oh, those are the speakers down there. They're just going <laughs> yeah. going crazy. That was the up. other thing was when we when we realized that you and uh, Josiah were in the finals, we're just like, oh, it could be a, a bit of a heavyweight slugfest here. There's a, <laughs> a lot of lot of energy coming coming yeah. into this finals, and it definitely didn't disappoint. It was a fun thing to watch for sure. Did you was that? I mean, I know we talked about it a while ago with Josiah, but I know you guys had to have a few talks ready to go, you know, that way, if you moved on to the next thing, did you feel, were you feeling nervous? Did you feel a lot of pressure? Did you feel, I mean, how are you feeling when you were going through, cause it's, it's a competition and we're all yeah. about competition here. It's healthy, fun competition, but it's still a competition. So like, what were your feelings going into that competition? You know, I was uh, nervous. Uh, and for me, the reason I was nervous, you know, I, I was very experienced as a speaker at that point. 
But to me, this whole motivational speaking thing was a brand new game to me. And these, those two speeches that I did were the first ever that I had done within that world. Mm. So I, I was pretty nervous and I had never like taken the time to, to memorize full speeches in the way that I did those. And we had a time limit, so I had to do it like word for word. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was pretty nervous. And then another thing that like people won't know, but when I auditioned, for that second speech, the last one that I did in the final round, I actually forgot part of my speech when I was auditioning. Oh no. <laughs> so I was, I was super, super nervous because I was like, Oh my gosh, am I going to forget this part of my speech again? Um, and I didn't, but when it came to that part, I, I guess I paused or something. Uh, when I got to that moment in the speech where I'd forgotten before and Kevin like interrupted me and he was like, you know, he, he thought I was done. <laughs> so I had to let him know I had to raise my hand and I was like, no, I'm not done. Let me finish. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I finished and yeah, I was, I was really nervous, I think because of that, but it was a great, great feeling. Uh, yeah. it, it, it was, it was an awesome, awesome moment. So even though I was nervous, I loved every minute of it. Um, you know, I'm super extroverted. So I kind of feed off the energy of, of people and the crowd itself. So I love being in front of people and speaking. So even though I felt nervous, I still felt that energy that, that I was thriving off of. Yeah, no, it was obvious for sure. Like you, both of you guys, man, just killed it. Yeah. He's a and beast, man. I love that dude, <laughs> man. Like you guys both have just brought it. So it was, it was amazing to watch and I, kind of going along those, those same lines of, you know, you feeling nervous, but it's like, still, it's like, it's the thing you're passionate about, right? So you're going to go after it and you are the passion guy. So what would you, what's maybe some advice for a young athlete who, you know, and I actually, we, we talked to Kevin about this last time he was on the show that he was talking about, you have to, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't encourage athletes to have a plan B he's like, no, I'm not interested in a plan B, but you have to find something like if you're per pursuing your athletic career, you know, we know that like the only like 1% of 1% make it to even play college and then less beyond that. He said, so you, I'm not saying you need to find a plan B, but what I'm saying is you need to find something you're just as passionate about as you are sports. So for young athletes, for young students who are pursuing their sport and maybe have a, a passion that they're also pursuing, what advice would you have them to, uh, what advice would you have for them to, as they pursue, you know, the things they're passionate about? So, so I, I assume, you know, you're speaking about sports and that kind of secondary passion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would say absolutely go full out on it. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. personally, I believe that the dreams that we have and the passions that we have are gifts that are given to us from God. So I believe that our dreams are connected to our purpose. I, I believe that everyone is born with a purpose, but very few live on purpose. And so I, I would say that pursuing those passions, I guarantee you is somehow connected to pursuing your purpose. And you are going to find that you can use those passions and those gifts. And here's the key to help other people. Yeah. So those passions that are put inside of you, I believe are given to you as gifts to serve and help other people. So I would start asking yourself, all right, how can I use this to bless somebody? How can I use this to help people? Like professional athletes, they can help a, a ton of people because of the position that they are in, not just financially, but as well as the influence that they have. They have the ability with their words to impact people. And so I would suggest to you that 
those passions are somehow related to your purpose, your dreams and life, and that you should pursue them. Because I believe that the greatest injustice we do to ourselves is never pursuing our purpose. And those passions are connected to that purpose. So that would be my advice. Pursue it with everything you've got and find a way to serve and help people because you can have a huge, huge impact on other people. That'd be my suggestion. I love it. Love it. Last question we have for you, man, and we'll get you out of here. We want to be respectful of your time. And it's the, it's the big question we always say for the end, because this is the character combine podcast. What is character to you and why is it so important? What is character to me and why is it important? So I think, you know, character is often tied to the word integrity. Um, integrity is kind of interesting because we typically think of integrity as being uh, you know, what you do when some, when other people aren't looking or other people aren't watching you. Right. In, in my view, integrity refers to whether or not you live out your internal values. So it's not just about like what you do when people aren't watching. It's whether or not you do what's congruent with your inner personal core values. And so you can live up to other people's expectations, but not really have integrity. You can live up to other people's expectations and not have character. For example, if you, pu- if you pursue someone else's dream, then that doesn't really connect with your character. That doesn't connect with you having integrity because you're doing something to meet someone else's expectations that does not, it's not in congruence or in alignment with your inner core values. And so I would say that, yeah, character and integrity is living in alignment with your inner core values. That's what it means to me. And what that looks like is, you know what, sometimes you need to change those internal values because they're not always good ones. And so in that case, we need to look at ourselves and we need to ask questions and we say, not only is this what I value, but is this a good thing? Is this morally okay? Is this right or is this wrong? And if it's wrong, then we take the time and make the effort to change it. Because then that's when we have true character, true integrity, when we recognize what is right, what is wrong, and we can even get to the point where we change those inner values to be in alignment with what is right and most beneficial and loving to other people. So I would say that's what character and integrity are, and that's what it looks like, living in alignment with your inner core values when those inner core values are right and loving and beneficial to not just yourself, but other people around you. That's a strong, that's a strong finish for sure, man. I love it. Uh, where can, where can people follow you? Website, social media, YouTube, all that stuff. Okay. Um, so you can check me out on Instagram. So that's going to be Levi L E V I underscore. You ready? The passion guy, Levi L E V I underscore the passion guy. That's my Instagram. I do have a website and that is www.embraceyourchange.com. The your is spelled U-R rather than Y-O-U-R. And I will tell you that that website will be updated soon to levithepassionguide.com. But you can reach me at that currently. And uh, 
I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. Just look up Levi, the passion guy on YouTube, and you should be able to find me pretty quickly. So that's, that's ways that you can get in touch. Uh, shoot me an email from my website. If you want to chat, DM me on Instagram. I'm available. I will respond to you and I will, re- re- I will respond to you as quickly as possible. I can vouch for that. That's how we got in contact with Levi and he, he responded pretty quick. So <laughs> what he's saying is true. Uh, that's awesome, man. You guys can follow us at Character Combine on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Character, oh, excuse me, at Sports Character. It's a little different there. At Sports Character on Twitter. Levi, man, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. And, thank uh, you, brother. We appreciate it. Keep doing the all the great work that you're doing and uh, you know, just keep it going, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate you guys so much. Absolutely.